Friendship isn't the big things, it's a million little things. Welcome friends, to the A Million Little TV Shows podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'll be delving into TV shows that I feel don't seem to get enough love. Over the course of the pod, we'll break down episodes and talk about my thoughts and feelings on the shows. Hello there, and welcome back to this, the 13th and final episode of Season 3 of A Million Little TV Shows Podcast. As you all know, the subject for today is going to be Hannibal. It's going to be the last episodes of Season 1 of Hannibal, episodes 10 to 13. So, you know, as we come into a season finale, it's going to be pretty epic. Shit's going to go down. I hope you're all doing well out there. I know things are tough and looking tougher as we carry on in this new year but hopefully at some point things are going to take an upturn as for me i am doing fine i have just been looking into my spreadsheet because if anyone knows me of course i've got a fucking spreadsheet after all i used to be an accountant and i have been mapping out till around about season eight so to probably july next year i will have done up to two full years of the podcast and there's a lot of exciting stuff coming. There's a lot of new things coming. Um, obviously, like I say, I like to focus on smaller series, things that won't get the spotlight, apart from one, which is uh, National Treasure Edge of History, which is coming up soon. Um, I know, however, that that is covered extensively on the National Treasure Hunt podcast, who I am in constant conversations with over Twitter, X, and they're amazing people. Emily and Aubrey are fantastic and they've helped me out no end. So if you want more in-depth, and I mean it is in-depth, go over and see the girls at National Treasure Hunt because they are smashing it right now. However, looking at the spreadsheet that I had, I've got the next five seasons mapped out of what I want to look at, what I want to talk about, what I want to revisit myself. Um, and there's a lot of things that are just individual series, mini-series, Towards the end of season eight, I am looking at doing a lot more international content. So by season eight, I'll be covering like a Spanish series and a French series. And it's going to be exciting. And I hope you're along for the journey with me. However, for now, again, we are focusing on Hannibal, an American series. And it's just been a crazy season so far. You can see the manipulation that he's been doing to Will. You can you can see how Hannibal has been manipulating Jack and making Jack think that he is the best thing for Will. Whereas we all know that Hannibal Lecter is a serial killer. We've seen or heard of at least the films. So we know that this is a bad guy. And yet he's compelling. He is magnetic. You can understand why people sort of get drawn into this web that he's got. And Mads Mikkelsen just plays him to perfection. So we're going to carry on with that season today and we're going to finish it up. So there's no time like the present. Let's get into it again, as always. It is 40 minutes, four episodes. So it's probably going to be in-depth and lengthy. So we just need to get into this as quickly as possible. So let's do it. Hannibal, season one, episodes 10 to 13. Episode 10, Buffet Foie. And I know I tend to say this a lot, but I am not French. I am getting these from Google. So if I am wrong, I apologise. But, you know, you do what you do. 
As the episode starts, we see a girl arriving home. She seems to live out in, like, a country house, and it's got, like, a barn, and it seems very remote. As she walks in, we see that the barn is closed, but as she gets through the door and closes it, we see that the barn is now open. It's quite late on at night, and she is just getting the house in order. She seems like she's getting in from her day at work, or maybe college, or whatever it is, but it's quite late on. So she just wants to get in, get fixed up, and go to bed. So she's getting sorted around the house, and then she heads up to bed. After mere seconds of being in bed, she hears a noise. It's a dripping noise, and she realises that there is water dripping from her ceiling. Now, I've had this a couple of years ago. My roof started leaking in the night. Didn't have time to find anyone to fix it. I ended up having to literally put a piece of string from my light fitting to make sure that it didn't really short out the house and it had to drip down into a bucket so I feel for this girl having this situation happen anywho she heads off upstairs and finds that there's a hole in her roof and snow is getting in as the camera pulls out through the hole we see that there are handprints and footprints in the snow leading either away from or into the hole in the roof. The girl closes up the hole and goes back to bed. But as she heads down, she sees that there is water all over the floor and the pathway of water is leading under the bed. As she walks over to the edge of the bed, you know it's going to happen. It's a show about horror and thriller and psychology. A hand flies out, grips her and pulls her under the bed. Honestly, I knew it was coming. I had my headphones on. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming when she got out of the bed. I still ended up going, because it scared the shit out of me, right? Not going to deny that. I am a little bit pissed off about it, however, because I knew it was coming. I've seen this series before, and I knew that bit. I've seen films before as well. But anyway, so the girl gets dragged under the bed, and instantly blood flies out from under the bed and splatters all over the floor. Next, we see Will and Hannibal, and they're talking as ever. This time, however, they're talking about Abigail. And how and how things have been since Will has found out about what happened with Abigail. Obviously, he doesn't know the full extent to which she confessed to Hannibal in the last episode that she was involved in her father's murders. She was the bait who helped her father lure his victims. But nonetheless, Will knows that Abigail killed Nicholas Boyle. And it now seems that all three, Hannibal, Abigail and Will, have killed someone in, let's just say, self-defence. Will Will killed Garrett Jacob Hobbs due to self-defence, or, in fact, defending Abigail. Abigail killed Nicholas Boyle in what would be self-defence after she felt that he attacked her, and Hannibal killed Tobias after Hannibal was attacked, although we know that Hannibal killed Tobias after he killed Franklin, and after Tobias found out who Hannibal really was. But for now, all Will knows is that he, Hannibal and Abigail have all killed in self-defence. Will, however, is conflicted, is probably the best word. He doesn't feel like he should have lied for Abigail. He knows that she's young and she will get stigmatised for what happened. But also, it's his duty as part of the FBI to uphold the law. And he should have told Jack that Abigail has done this. And he feels conflicted that he hasn't said a word. Hannibal continues to ask about what's been going on with Will's hallucinations. Will has not only been seeing things, he's now been hearing things. 
and if you saw it from the outside, Will is going a little bit off the rails. And due to this, Hannibal wants to give him a test to do, just a psychological test, and it's to draw a clock, just a clock face, 12 numbers, dotted around the clock, and hands on the clock. That's it, obviously within a circle. So Will does just that, and as he does it, it's a perfect circle. He dots around with the numbers and then puts the time on there. And this is to focus Will's mind. It is so that if Will is having one of these hallucinations or feels like he is going to, he can ground himself and put himself back in the actual world. And so if he feels like he's going to black out, he knows exactly where and when. As he does this, he says, I'm Will Graham. I'm at this location and it is this time. So Will looks at this clock and it looks perfect. And as he hands it to Hannibal, we actually see the truth. The circle is fairly bog standard. However, the numbers and the hands are all off to the right and down at the bottom. And some of them are coming off outside the clock face. Hannibal looks at it and gives us no reaction. But if you were asked to draw a clock face right now, you could probably be able to draw it, correct? So something is definitely off here. This seems to be a cognitive thing and it really is showing that there is something truly wrong with Will. Next we see that Will is back home and he has been out fishing. As he walks into his home, he starts gutting the fish and at this point we see, I mean, I'm not a fisherman, I've never killed a fish in my life. There seemed to be an exorbitant amount of blood there and the next thing Will sees is this face and it is horrific to describe essentially he's in the bedroom of the girl we first saw and she is now grinning from ear to ear she has literally been hacked through the sides of her mouth through her cheeks and now has and has now been given i suppose what would be called a chelsea smile i think that's what it's called when it's pretty fucking gruesome let's put it that way think about the Joker in the Dark Knight films. Essentially that, except she's died from it. And because she's been laid on her back, she's choked on her own blood. Will is horrified by the scene because literally two seconds earlier, he was gutting a fish. So he is now woken up in this scene. He's obviously talked to Jack. He's obviously come to the scene. And now he's in the middle of it. He doesn't know what's happened, but he has this knife in his hand. He's had a quick flash of what happened and it has terrified him because usually Will can prepare for this kind of thing because he's seen the scene already and he can just take a moment to get into what's going on. This time he's been thrown straight in without any knowledge of even being there and it's shocked him and he's got the knife in his hand that's killed this girl. And not only that, he's knelt over the body. So as he gets up, he slips in all the blood. He's covered. He's absolutely covered. And as he runs out of the room, Jack and his team are stood outside. And they're shocked just to see Will in the state that he's in. Will heads downstairs and he washes up and he's obviously shook up. He's contaminated the crime scene and this isn't going to look good for him. Or Jack in this case. Jack goes outside and Will goes up with him and they start to talk. And as they do... Jack tells him that he feels like he's broken Will because this wasn't how Will should be. Will should be thinking like the killer. But the way that Will is describing things, he's seeing himself as the killer. And Jack is really concerned about this because 
this wasn't his intention. Yes, he wants to solve crimes and he wants Will's help to help him solve those crimes. But at what cost right now? Because at the minute, Will is now becoming a liability. And not only that, he's seeing himself as a murderer instead of thinking like the murderer. So after everything's calmed down and they've gone back into the room, they find out the victim's name is Beth LeBeau. They think that the killer must have known Beth because it seems quite an intimate murder. And while they're examining what happened to Beth's face, they conclude that the killer has actually tried to peel Beth's face away. And Will equates this to almost like trying to remove a mask. So he thinks that maybe the killer has something of an issue going on, that maybe they can't see faces, or maybe they are confused by the faces they are seeing. Will visits Hannibal again and obviously gives him information about the crime, exactly what's happened, how the killer has killed their victim, and Will tells him that he has a sense that this killer is lonely, that there is something medically wrong with them. There's there's evidence at the scene that there was something medically wrong with this person. At one point, they described it as Beth managed to get some scratches or self-defense wounds on this person, and this person's left no blood behind, even though they've been scratched deep enough to draw blood. So they know that there's something medically wrong with the person, but at this point, they don't know what. And Will describes the killer as someone who is lonely, but he tells Hannibal that he knows that feeling. He feels like he can empathise with the loneliness. Will tells Hannibal that he thinks he needs to go and get a scan done because he doesn't feel in his right mind. He's really starting to suffer and definitely needs to see a neurologist. And Hannibal agrees. He says if that's what Will needs, then they can go and get treatment if it is that. But he tells him that if he sees the neurologist and finds out that there's nothing wrong, then maybe Will needs to start thinking that it isn't just physical, that it is a mental illness that he has, to which Will solemnly agrees to start treatment if this scan doesn't come out with something that he can tangibly treat. So Will goes with Hannibal to see Hannibal's friend, Dr. Sutcliffe. And as Will describes his symptoms, the doctor immediately takes him down to a CT scan. And while Will is in the machine, Hannibal lets slip to the doctor that he believes that it is encephalitis. And Dr. Sutcliffe, who knows Hannibal, inquires, how do you come to that conclusion? To which Hannibal basically says, I, I smelt it. And Dr. Sutcliffe says, well, yeah, if you're not diagnosing stomach cancer, which goes back to what Hannibal said previously to Jack and his wife, that he smelt the stomach cancer of his teacher. So... He's known for a long time that there was something wrong with Will, and yet he hasn't said a word. He's played on Will, and played on his fears, and wrapped him up so much that now Will's brain is basically on fire. And when he shows Dr. Sutcliffe the test that he did with the clock, he's quite shocked at how drastic this clock looks, and he's worried for Will, but... Hannibal is very manipulative and tells him that it could be an interesting study and that maybe they could do this together because there is not a lot known about encephalitis. It is very much something that can be treated, but once it's discovered, needs to be treated immediately. Whereas Hannibal thinks that if he and Dr. Sutcliffe work together, they can control this. 
or at least that's what he's trying to convince Dr. Sutcliffe. So Sutcliffe finds out that it is exactly what Hannibal said. Will's brain is inflamed, or at least the right half of it is, and that's what's causing all of Will's issues. But he doesn't want to say anything, because he has this opportunity with Hannibal now, and so when he speaks to Will, he tells him everything's fine. He shows him another brain scan, he shows him something totally different to the one that he just took, and Will has to accept it that this is a psychological thing, not a physical thing anymore. And now he's got basically two opinions on this. So now that Hannibal has more information about what is going on with Will, I mean, he knew anyway, he could smell it, but now he's had it confirmed by an expert in that field. When Jack comes to visit him, Hannibal tells Jack that he is worried about Jack putting Will out in the field because it's getting to him now. But Jack doubles down on what he said before. He's keeping Will out in the field because if he didn't, the body count would be higher and much, much higher. Will is helping Jack close cases and there is nothing else to it. So Hannibal informs Jack about everything that's gone on. He tells him about the appointment that he's just had with the neurologist and tells him that everything was fine with Will's brain, apart from the fact that Will is psychologically damaged and needs treatment for his mental illness. Will, however, that night has gone back to the crime scene. As he's going through the house and trying to figure out what happened, he gets up to the room. He sees a pool of blood on the floor and then notices something different about the scene. As he goes to look under the bed, he sees someone staring out at him. Will has already quoted his mantra of, I am Will Graham, I am in such and such, and it is da da da, whatever time it was. And because of that, this person is looking out at him. As Will shines the light on her, she scrambles back under the bed. Will tries to get down to talk to her and get her to come out from under the bed, but she flips it and it knocks Will over. As Will scrambles to get back to his feet and the girl flees the room, he grabs her arm and very much like a snake shedding its skin, the skin from her arm comes away like it's a sleeve and she runs off. Will is now stood with his skin in his hand in the middle of this room and all of this excitement is doing something to him and he blacks out. The next time he awakes, it's three hours later and he is stood in the middle of the woods. He repeats his mantra, I am Will Graham, I am in blah blah blah, and it is, at this point, it's now one o'clock in the morning, before it was ten. He shouts out into the darkness, looking for this girl, and tells her that he can see her. He feels like maybe this girl feels she is a ghost, and that she cannot be seen, or that she is a monster, and that the world does not see her anymore. And so he shouts out into the darkness, I see you, you're alive, and sometimes... That's all someone needs. Sometimes people just need to know that they are seen, that they are alive and that they are cared for. And that's all Will is trying to do. He's trying to help this person. Will goes back to the house and he calls Beverly from the FBI. He gets her to come out and they look at the scene together again. He tells her what happened, but when she inquires, well, where's the skin? He tells her, I don't know. She begins to worry about him and tells him that the others are worried about him too. These things are really starting to get to Will and she can tell and the others can tell and it isn't healthy for him being in the field. Will goes to see Hannibal and tells her all about the girl. It's believed that this girl has Cotard syndrome or walking corpse syndrome and that would explain why she feels like she isn't seen by society because she doesn't feel seen. 
And he also thinks that maybe this girl is having trouble seeing people's faces. And that is why she did what she did to Beth. She's scared and she doesn't know what is going on. That night as Will sleeps, we see that the girl has actually followed him home and is now waiting outside Will's house. The next day we find out the name of the killer is actually George Madchen. And so it is confirmed that this girl has the walking corpse syndrome and she needs treatment straight away. But of course they have to find her first, bring her in. They speak to the mother and it's a very similar situation to a few other stories that we've heard in the series where they've got so ill that they've just disappeared. They didn't want to become a burden to their family and so they walked away. But when we find out her relationship to Beth, we find out that they were actually good friends for a long time. And so she's obviously gone to Beth for maybe comfort and then not been able to see her face and become terrified and her illness has taken over and she's killed Beth. After Jack's conversation with Will about him seeing himself as the killer and his chat with Hannibal about how things are affecting him and how he now has this mental illness, Jack feels like he doesn't want to push Will too much, especially since he's found out that he was in the field when Georgie was last seen, and he was the last one to see her. And so he tells Will that he doesn't want to risk him. Jack doesn't want Will to become like Miriam Lass and just end up another dead cop. One night we see Dr. Sutcliffe having dinner with Hannibal because, of course, as we know, Hannibal has dinner with someone. And while he's having dinner with Hannibal, he talks about Will and what's been going on and why Hannibal is keeping this secret from him. And Hannibal just reiterates what he said before. It needs to be studied. And Sutcliffe says, now that his brain's on fire, are you going to be the one to put it out? Or are you just going to let him burn? And it seems that at this point, Hannibal is just willing to continue to lie to Will. Will ends up having some more tests with Dr. Sutcliffe. And while he's in the machine, it seems like Will blacks out. When Will comes round... It's only him in the hospital. It seems like Dr. Sutcliffe has done this as some sort of favour for Will. Will heads through to Dr. Sutcliffe's office and when he gets there, Dr. Sutcliffe is dead. But not just dead, he is near decapitated. He has been killed in a very similar way to the way that Beth LeBeau was. And it's here that obviously people think that Georgia was there and that she's followed Will and killed Dr. Sutcliffe. And because she can't see faces probably thinks it was Will. But obviously, other fingers are pointing at Will because Will's the only one there and he's been really off lately. Things have not been going well and he seems to be exhibiting traits of a serial killer now. And so Jack is convinced that potentially Will could be the killer. But Will is cleared at the scene. The amount of blood that would have been there isn't there on Will's person. So essentially he is clear. Will goes home and that night he is sleeping when all of a sudden his dogs start growling. As Will goes to look under the bed, he sees Georgia staring back at him. He gets off the bed and rolls out into the middle of the room and she asks him, am I alive? And he says, yeah, you're alive, I can see you. And she holds out her hand and he takes it and I can't imagine what that girl was going through. Obviously it is fiction, but this must be a thing. This must be really scary for someone who has to go through this. And in fact, anyone who doesn't feel seen, people deserve to be seen. Georgia is obviously taken from Will's house and taken to a treatment facility to get the treatment that she needs on her skin and get her body back to what it should be. 
Annabelle tells Jack that the treatment will work and she will be better. She can get better again, but it will take time. And as Georgia is in this oxygen tank, it seems like she remembers something from the night before. She doesn't remember the face, of course, but she walked in on someone while Will was at the hospital and that person was killing Dr. Sutcliffe. And we find out that that person was, of course, Hannibal. Episode 8, Roti. So this time we start with Hannibal having dinner with, this time, Dr. Chilton, who, of course, is the person who runs the medical facility for the criminally insane in Baltimore. Ultimately, that will be the place that Hannibal ends up in from the Silence of the Lambs film. And it is Dr. Chilton who is still the warden there at that point. But it seems that Dr. Chilton has been exposed for his part in the Abel Gideon scenario, where he was psychic driving Abel Gideon into thinking that he was the Chesapeake Ripper. But it turns out that he's not, because, as we know, it's Hannibal. But because of this psychic driving... It seems that now Abel Gideon isn't receptive to it at all. According to Lecter, once a patient has found out that they are part of this practice, they are no longer receptive to it. And so Gideon is now ready to tell the world about what Dr. Chilton has been up to. And Hannibal tells Chilton that to have this practice happen, you have to have an unsuspecting mind. And of course, he's referring to Will at this point. And it seems that Will is having a real tough time of it. Obviously, we know that he's got a diagnosis, but we also know that A, the two people who know about it are Hannibal, and the other one is dead at Hannibal's hands. And we also know that Hannibal is trying this technique of psychic driving on him. So Will is continuing to have nightmares about all these murder scenes that he's seen over time, and it seems like he's drowning in them. So as we know, Abel Gideon is now back to, I want to say, full sense, but after all, he did kill his wife. So he is back to some semblance of sense in the fact that he knows that he is no longer the Chesapeake Ripper. But he is, however, going on trial for killing the nurse. Because, of course, it wasn't just his wife that he killed. He killed the nurse thinking he was the Chesapeake Ripper. But he now threatens Dr. Chilton because he tells him that he's going to take him down with him, that essentially her blood is on his hands. But while Gideon is on the way to his trial, it seems to be just him in the security van with a police officer and what seems to be a male nurse, and of course the driver. So throughout the journey, Gideon is just trying to talk to these gentlemen. However, he is also trying to distract them from what is about to happen. Next, we see that the van is empty and that Gideon is nowhere to be seen. It's on the side of a road and, of course, the FBI are now there. When Will gets to the scene, he obviously does his thing. He sits in the back of the van and tries to figure out how Gideon got out of his handcuffs and how he got away. Turns out that Gideon has broken his own thumb, slipped his hands out of the cuffs and managed to butcher these guys. He managed to take one of them out by literally holding them against the ceiling with his foot and crushing their neck. And with the other one, he took the loose handcuff, took the point of it and drove it into the guy's neck. It turns out then that what he's done is he's meticulously gutted these people and strung them up in trees. Of course, the driver stopped and has also died at the scene. He strung their organs up from the trees and hung them down like presents each one looking like it's got a bow on it. 
he has then taken all the weapons that these officers had and run off into the woods. Of course, with the fact that Eivor Gideon is out there now, it sort of benefits Dr. Chilton in a way, because if he is at large, it would mean that Gideon won't have his day in court, and therefore Chilton won't be arrested for what's happened. So essentially, it benefits him. So Will and Alana go over and confront Dr. Chilton about this, try and find out what he knows. But Chilton denies everything and basically blames Alana for all of this instead. She is the reason that Gideon found out about the psychic driving, because she essentially told him what was going on, which ended up breaking the spell. So now Gideon is out there. Over at the offices of the FBI, Jack is giving a briefing. But during this briefing, which Will is present at, he ends up having an hallucination, which is about Jack back at the antler room of Garrett Jacob Hobbs. And he's berating Will and calling him all sorts of things, especially murderer. And during this time, as soon as he sort of comes out of it, Jack can see all over Will's face something is wrong. And at this point, Will seems to be sweating profusely all the time. And he's constantly looks like he has an illness, some sort of fever. He looks ill and yet he is still being subjected to these images and these crime scenes and when will visits hannibal he tells him pretty much that that he just doesn't know himself anymore he doesn't feel the same anymore something's wrong and he just can't figure out what it is as much as hannibal is pointing out mental illness will feels that it isn't that it's something physical but nothing is pointing at that he's had tests as we know and he just can't believe that it is anything mental. But when a neurologist and a psychologist are telling you the same thing, do you trust your body at that point? That's an interesting question. If all the signs are pointing one way, do you try and go another? So during the autopsies of these victims, it seems that Gideon has affected the brain of each of these victims. And essentially what he's done is he has scrambled the brain whereas the other organs he's taken out of the body it seems now that he has scrambled the brains of his victims and will believes that it's because anyone who has been inside Gideon's head he is about to get inside of theirs and he feels that any and everyone is at risk and unfortunately for will that means Alana as well thankfully the FBI put Alana in protection and only a few people know where Alana is going to be but before Alana gets to go, Will speaks to her about Gideon and the fact that the Ripper is out there right now and that maybe they're going to come into contact with each other. Will believes that they are because he feels that the Ripper isn't going to let his name be dragged through the mud the way that Gideon did and he will want revenge on Gideon for the article that Freddie Lounge wrote. And maybe that is what Gideon is banking on, that the Ripper will come after him. Will knows that the Ripper will just kill Gideon if he manages to get his hands on him. Gideon ends up calling Freddy Lowndes, but he's pretending to be someone else and tells her that he wants to collaborate on an article and so maybe she could come over to his office and they could start penning this paper. So when Freddy comes over, obviously it turns out that it's Gideon who's there. He is at another doctor's office and... It's a doctor who has written an article about Abel Gideon previously. And it seems that this doctor will no longer be doing any writing because Gideon has given him a Colombian necktie, which is essentially that he has opened this guy's throat and pulled his tongue through it. 
At the time, it seems that the man is still alive and his tongue is moving around. It is one of the most vile things I've ever watched. Well done on the animatronics. It was very clever, but it is grim. Really grim. Again, well done. And of course, now that Freddy's there, Gideon takes her. And he takes her to the one place that he knows the Ripper will show up. Especially if Freddy Lowndes is writing articles about him, which Gideon is forcing her to do. So he takes her to the observatory, where they found the arm and the phone of Miriam Lass. And it's here that he admits to Freddy that he isn't the Ripper, but he knows that the Ripper reads her column, or her website in this case, and he knows that the Ripper will turn up where they are. It's a trap, or it actually seems to be an offering of sorts. But because Freddy has written this article about Abel Gideon doing the Colombian necktie, another body has turned up with exactly the same MO, except it's a little more aggressive. And there's one extra element to it, and that is there is an arm missing, cut off around about the same place that Miriam Lasser's was. And Will realises that this is a message. This is the copycat killer. This is the Chesapeake Ripper. He now knows that that person is potentially the same person. And Will knows that this is a copycat. This is the Ripper who has done this murder. Gideon did the first one. And this has been copied from the article that Freddie Lowndes has written. And it seems like the Ripper is giving them a clue. And no one else spots it apart from Will when he tells him, I know where Gideon is because the last time you saw someone with an arm missing, who was it? And Jack realises straight away that he must be at the observatory because that is where they found Miriam Lass's arm. We then find out who the offering is going to be. At this point, it seems like it's going to be Freddy. But both the Ripper and Gideon have a grudge against some. And that person is Dr Chilton, who has now gone missing. He's at the observatory with Gideon. And something I haven't said about Gideon is that he is a world-class surgeon. He is extracting organs from Dr. Chilton's body. And while the Bureau is on their way, he's just taking pieces out of Chilton, like a game of operation. Jack can see that Will is really suffering with everything that is going on. He tells him that it's probably best if he sits this one out. They are on the way to the scene, but he can see that Will is in some distress. And he knows that this is just going to be even more strain on him. So he tells him that when they get there, Will should just sit in the car. They get to the scene and they head inside. When they get in there, Freddy is literally keeping Dr. Children alive. But there is no able Gideon there. Medics come and they take Chilton away. And we see that in the distance, Gideon is watching on. Will, however, has got out of Jack's car. And as he started to wander up towards the scene, his hallucinations kicked in. And he saw the stag and he followed it. But as he followed, the fever is just taking hold. Gideon tries to get away from the scene. And as he gets into his own car, he finds Will in his back seat, pointing a gun at him. But at this point, Will cannot see anything but Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Gideon ends up asking Will, who is your doctor? And they end up going to Hannibal's place. Once inside at Hannibal's, Gideon sits down and Hannibal is checking on Will. He's checking his eyes and he's checking everything about Will's vitals. But Will is just telling Hannibal that Gideon is Hobbs. And he's asking, can't you see it? Can't you see him? 
And Hannibal tells him, no, there's nobody there, Will. You came on your own. Eventually, through the whole stress of it all, Gideon hasn't said a word, but just watches on as Will has a seizure right in front of everyone. Hannibal calms Will down and realises that he's had a mild seizure. He seems unconcerned about it, and Gideon is impressed at how unconcerned he actually is. Hannibal and Gideon talk about the Chesapeake Ripper. Hannibal asks him, are you the man claiming to be the Ripper? And when Gideon fights back with claiming to be the Ripper, Hannibal says, well, you aren't. And Gideon asks, are you? And Hannibal never actually answers him. He just tells him that it's not nice to have someone steal your identity. Eventually, Hannibal ends up giving the location of Alana Bloom out to Gideon. And Gideon goes off to find her. Eventually, Will comes out of this seizure state and Hannibal runs some tests on him to make sure that he hasn't had a stroke. Will is still claiming that he and Garrett Jacob Hobbs turned up at Hannibal's, but obviously there is now no one sat in the chair. Hannibal tells Will that he has a fever and that Hannibal needs to call Jack to come and get Will and take him to the hospital. Hannibal, however, is going out to check on Alana because Abel Gideon is still at large. And Hannibal tells him that he has essentially butchered Dr. Chilton and he knows that he'll go after Alana. Will straight away starts to think that Alana is in danger. As, as Hannibal leaves the room to go and call Jack, Will escapes and goes after Gideon, which was Hannibal's plan all along. When Will gets to the scene, he can't fire on Gideon. He can barely walk. As he is trying to line up a shot on Gideon, he just can't even focus. He gets closer and both he and Gideon have a conversation. But it's at this point that he isn't talking to Gideon anymore. He doesn't see Gideon. He sees Garrett Jacob Hobbs. And when Hobbs tells Will that he wants to kill Alana, that's the final straw for Will. And he shoots Gideon outside of Alana's safe house. Hannibal tells Jack that he believes Will having a gun isn't now a good idea. He is becoming dangerous. And whatever is wrong with him right now isn't safe. And especially if he's got a gun, as he has proven with Abel Gideon. Will is admitted to hospital due to this fever. It turns out that it is a fever of 105. And so while he is there, they are trying to bring down this fever. Alana is also at his bedside. After such a major event, Hannibal goes to see Bedelia. And while he's there, he tells her that he thinks it would be a good idea to be friends with Will. But she tells him that this isn't right. You can't be friends with your patient, and especially someone like Will Graham. Episode 12, Ray LeVay. Will is still in hospital, but he's now mobile. He's up and around and seems to be feeling a lot better. The fever seems to have broken. His temperature is still pretty high. But while he can get up and around, he goes to visit Georgia, who is still in the oxygen tank, but is also looking a hell of a lot better. She starting to look human again. Obviously, there is a mental trauma that she has to go through, but she is looking healthy again. And Georgia tells Will that once she has got back to her normal self, physically, she will be going for treatment, and it will be a form of shock treatment, which is apparently commonplace for people who have had this syndrome, and it is apparently effective. And I think it's a pretty brutal way to do it, but I'm no doctor. But she tells Will that she doesn't want to remember what she did because she's heard about what she's done and that alone is haunting her. 
And she also tells Will that she had a dream of him and that he was the one who killed Dr. Sutcliffe. But obviously, as we know from that episode, all evidence doesn't point at Will and we know who killed him because we saw it at the end. It was Hannibal. But Georgia has no clue who that is yet. Hannibal turns up at the hospital. Hannibal turns up at the hospital and he brings chicken soup with him because, of course, chicken soup is the best thing. It is the best medicine according to old wives' tales anyway. But of course, it isn't your average chicken soup. Hannibal has made it. So of course, it is very high-end. It looks pretty cool and weird all at the same time. And God only knows what meat is actually in it. But he talks to her about Georgia and whether she has started to remember anything yet or whether she's still trying not to. But also about his own mental illness and whether it is possibly dementia. Hannibal also tells Will that he's told Jack about everything that's been going on. So the next time that we see Georgia, she is waking up after hearing some noise in her chamber. It is literally an oxygen tube that she is in. And so when she awakes, she finds a comb in there, just a cheap plastic comb. And at first she thinks it's a nice gesture. She takes it and starts to brush her hair. But it, again, it is a cheap plastic comb in an oxygen tank. As soon as it touches and a spark flies from her hair, the tube is set on fire and Georgia with it. And at this point, we can only suspect that it was Hannibal who has done this. She would have been able to point out Hannibal and now she is no longer there. Abigail is talking to Freddie Lowndes about the layout of her book and it seems that there is going to be a chapter based on each girl, at least one chapter per girl. And when Abigail asks about Cassie and Marissa, and it seems that Freddie isn't interested in the copycat killers, but Abigail tells Freddie that she blames her father for the killings of these two people, and so they should be included somewhere. But when Freddie inquires about Nicholas Boyle, Abigail tells her that Nicholas Boyle killed Nicholas Boyle. It wasn't anything to do with my father. While Freddie is talking to Abigail, she tells her that she can spot a killer. She knows what they look like, she'd interviewed them before, and she knows that Nicholas Boyle wasn't a killer. She tells her that he had nothing to do with the murder of Cassie or Marissa, and yet it has been pinned on him. But she also tells Abigail that she knows Will has the potential to be a killer, and it feels like at this point Freddie is pointing the finger for Cassie and Marissa squarely at Will, and potentially Nicholas Boyle. That night, obviously, finding out what has happened to Georgia, Will has a nightmare, and he dreams of being asleep in his cabin when Georgia comes in and takes him outside. When he gets outside, he sees Georgia get gored by antlers, and as soon as she does, she bursts into flames, and behind is the stag that is plaguing Will's dreams. So Will knows that this is a sign, this is something, and he has to go and speak to Jack. So he goes, checks himself out of the hospital, and goes straight to Jack's office. When he gets there, he tells him that Georgia was killed, and this wasn't some suicide attempt like they're trying to make out, and it certainly wasn't a fault, and that whoever killed her was also the same person that killed Dr. Sutcliffe. So they head down to the coroner's, and while they're conducting the autopsy, they find a piece of plastic with a strand of hair of Georgia's wound into it. And they instantly realise that cheap plastic comb, hair, 
sparks is gone up. That's what's happened. That's obviously what's happened. And so Will starts to believe that whoever did this is out to frame him. And he starts to believe that the person who did this is actually the copycat. So when Jack asks, I thought the copycat was Nicholas Boyle, he tells him no. Whoever killed Cassie and Marissa also killed Dr. Sutcliffe and Georgia. Jack cannot believe what he's hearing. Jack goes to visit Hannibal and Hannibal tells him that Will isn't in his right mind now. He's not in a good way and his mind is going a mile a minute and he's plucking things out of thin air, essentially. He does not know his own mind, so whatever Will has said about the killer being the same person, it's, it's just not. But Jack feels that Hannibal isn't also giving him all the information. So Jack goes to visit Bedelia, Hannibal's psychiatrist. And while he's there, he tells her that he thinks Hannibal is trying to withhold stuff from the FBI about Will Graham. But she refuses to give him anything because it's against patient confidentiality. Unless he comes with a warrant, she cannot do anything. Jack inquires about the patient that attacked Bedelia. But when he does, she tells him that the person who attacked her as he had his hands around her throat, he ended up choking on his own tongue. And that is how she ended up still being alive. And it also turns out that this patient was a former patient of Hannibal's. So Jack is now seeing a pattern with Hannibal that he seems to be getting these patients that are that are involved some way in some sort of violent acts. So for instance, he had Bedelia's patient who tried to choke her. He's got Will, who we know all about. He's got Abigail in some capacity, who Jack thinks is hiding something. He had Franklin, who had Tobias, who has also ended up being a serial killer. So there are signs pointing to Hannibal that he is hiding something for Will, because he seems to end up with patients that have secrets. And of course, if he's hiding it for Will, he's potentially hiding it for Abigail. So Jack, obviously, he has a bee in his bonnet about Abigail and now is going all out to try and find out who this copycat killer is. So he gets his team to start working from Hobbs and tries to find out how he was connected to these killings, how and when and where would he have met his victims, and potentially, at that point, who, if anyone, was with him. Will, however, is now with Abigail, and they are talking about what it felt like when they were in the situation where they ended up having to kill someone. And although you can see in Abigail's face the devastation of having to take her life, she tells him that it felt good to kill Nicholas Boyle, and she feels guilty about how good it actually felt. But Will tells her that when he killed her father, it does feel good, it feels empowering. And so you've got to start worrying about the dark side of both Will and Abigail at this point, regardless of what we know about Hannibal. But Will has actually gone there to try and do his own investigation on this copycat killer. He knows it's someone that is essentially trying to frame him. And so he asks Abigail to go with him to help him to find out who this killer is. After her visit from Jack, Bedelia speaks to Hannibal and tells him that he needs to start being careful around Jack, around Will, because Jack is asking questions about his relationship with Will, and it could be a bad thing for Hannibal to have his affairs investigated, because when she brings up the fact that she was attacked and it was by his patient, it seems that there is more to this than meets the eye. 
and it seems that whatever she's told Jack is the truth, but potentially there's more to it. So Jack's investigations come back that they find out through ticket purchasers that at the same time as the victims were getting on trains, Hobbs had purchased two tickets, and they've also found footage of the fact that the person on the train with Hobbs was his daughter. And so now Jack not only has this bee in his bonnet about her, he is gunning for her. He thinks that she did this and is willing to prove it. And not only that, he believes that she is the copycat now because she would have killed Cassie to impress her father. But then after her father died, she killed Marissa, Nick Boyle, and is now killing other people. For instance, as Will has said already, Dr. Sutcliffe and Georgia. So he is ready to pin all these murders on her. And he also believes that it is to impress someone else. And maybe that is another killer very much like Tobias did. So when Jack goes to find Abigail, she's not at the hospital. The only person who is there in her room is Freddie Lowndes. And when Jack inquires about where the hell she is, Freddie doesn't know, but she has a feeling that it's something to do with Will. And she also tells him that she fears that Will is helping Abigail cover up the fact that she killed Nicholas Boyle. So Jack goes to see Hannibal. And while he's there, Hannibal tells him that Will has been having these blackouts. And when Jack asks if Will knew about what Abigail had done with Nicholas Boyle and potentially Cassie, it seems that Jack believes that Will is involved in these copycat killings as well. And that because of these blackouts and because Will is seeing himself as Garrett Jacob Hobbs at times, that maybe he is going to finish his work. Jack thinks that he has killed people that know his identity, for instance, Dr. Sutcliffe. He believes that he has orchestrated the murders of Dr. Sutcliffe and Georgia, and now he has Abigail, and he's going to kill her as well. Abigail and Will go back to Minnesota, back to the antler shed. While they're in there, Will has his ability kick in, and he ends up seeing Abigail as the killer. When he confronts her, she tells him everything while he's in this state. And she tells him that Hannibal knew and that she helped her father and everything. But when Will eventually comes out of this, after impaling Cassie on one of the stackheads, he realises that she's not there. And he turns and she tells him that he's not well. There's something wrong with him. Eventually, she blacks out and Cassie runs. When he wakes up, Will is sat on a plane and the stewardess comes over and asks him to depart. They've arrived in an airport wherever the hell he has ended up. And so he asks if there was a girl sat with him and she says everyone has left the plane and he really needs to get off now. Abigail has actually gone back to her own home. But when she's got there, she's found Hannibal waiting for her. She hugs him and tells him that Will's lost his mind and that she doesn't know what to do. But also Hannibal tells her that Jack is coming for you because he thinks you killed Nicholas Boyle and he thinks you've killed all these other people. Abigail asks about Hannibal's involvement in all of this. She asks about the phone call and why he called that day. And he tells her that he just wanted to see what would happen. He was essentially acting as an agent of chaos. He just wanted to stand back and watch the fireworks. 
She asks him about Marissa and he tells her that he was the one who killed Marissa and that he is a serial killer. As he approaches her, he tells her that he's sorry for what he has to do. And as she asks if he's going to kill her, he tells her he's sorry that he couldn't save her. Episode 13, Savaro. Will is now back home out of the hospital. And while he is there, he is dreaming as always. But this time he is now dreaming of hunting the stag that has essentially been hunting him throughout the series. But as he takes the shot and ends up getting closer to it, he sees that it takes a human form. As Will wakes up and he feels shaken by the whole experience, he also feels like he's going to throw up. He runs through to his kitchen and does just that. But as he does, an ear falls out of his mouth. A human ear. He calls the one person that he knows he can trust in Hannibal. When Hannibal gets there, Will tells him that he didn't come back with Abigail, and he also admits the hallucination that he had while at the cabin where he killed her and impaled her on the stag head before she told him that there was something wrong with him and ran off. And he's convinced that it wasn't real, but of course, evidence at the minute is contrary to popular belief. The ear must have come from somewhere. So Hannibal suggests that they need to call Jack on this because it's a serious situation and he knows that Will can't run forever from this. When Jack gets there, Will ends up getting arrested. Obviously, he's got a severed ear in his house. There's no other explanation right now and Will has been acting very strange for a long time. Plus, they believe that he's a copycat killer or at least a partner too and so they take him in. So they start to investigate Will's home, but also they start to process Will, taking all the evidence that they can from him. It seems like he has blood under his fingernails, and it's Beverly who is processing him, and as she does, she tells him to have a look at the evidence right now that's in front of him, and evaluate it as if he were to do out in the field. And at this point, he says, I'm the murderer on this evidence, I'm the killer. When Jack speaks to Alana, he breaks down the evidence for her and she is absolutely apoplectic about this. She knew that something like this was going to happen and she told Jack just that. She told him to keep him out of the field and yet he hasn't and now they've basically broken Will just at the point where she was starting to explore her feelings for him and she cannot believe what she is hearing but the evidence is now speaking for itself and she is also crushed by this because of the feelings that she has for Will and she said that he would be complicated and now he's more complicated than ever but she also feels like she let down as they all have done Abigail and now Abigail's blood is on their collective hands not just Will's because if Jack hadn't forced Will out into the field Maybe this wouldn't have happened, because he wouldn't have had that contact with Abigail. When Alana visits Will, she tells him that due to their relationship, or potential relationship that could have happened but probably isn't going to now, she tells him that she is willing to look after his dogs until the time when ever. She doesn't know how soon or how long it's going to be, but she tells him she will look after them until he is out. That is, if he ever gets out, and it's here, while she's in the interview room, that Jack is looking on, and at this point has only just found out about their potential entanglement. Alana tells Will that she wants to give him some tests, 
that will help prove what kind of psychological state he has been in. You know, when Will mentions about Hannibal's clock test, she had no idea that this is something that Hannibal was doing. And so she asks Will if he will do the same thing for her, and he does. And once again, it is a circle with, in the bottom right-hand corner of the page, all the numbers bunched up and the clock hands in the same place. Again, to Will, it seemed all normal, but to Alana, that she knows that this isn't correct at all. Something is massively wrong with Will. But now she needs to find out if he did the same in Hannibal's test. Hannibal has gone to see Bedelia, and while he's there, he's talking to her about Abigail. And it seems like Hannibal has developed feelings for her, like fatherly feelings. But with Hannibal, you've just got to wonder, is this a wolf in sheep's clothing somehow? He also seems like he hasn't given up on Will. And when he confesses as much to Bedelia, she tells him that he needs to let this go. This is not good for him or his reputation. And that the situation that Will is in right now, he can no longer help. And being friends with that person certainly wouldn't help at all. While they're looking at the evidence that they've taken from Will's place, we find out what? We find out the significance of the lures, the fishing lures that we saw earlier on in the season when Hannibal interfered with them. And it turns out that the fishing lures have evidence of body parts in them. And those body parts belong to several victims over the last few months. And these include pieces from Cassie, Marissa, Dr. Sutcliffe, and Georgia. And they are all woven into these fishing lures. But even though this evidence is put out in front of her, Alana feels like something is off. Something isn't right here. And she refuses to believe that Will is a serial killer. When Jack questions Will about all this evidence that he's found at Will's place. Will tells him that there's someone out there trying to frame him. He doesn't know who, but there is someone close to this case that isn't who they say they are. But Jack is having none of it and reads him his rights and tells Will that whatever help it is that he needs, he is willing to get it for him. Since Will has experienced this sort of situation before, he is in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. But since he saw the way that Abel Gideon escaped his cuffs, he does exactly the same thing. He breaks his thumb and manages to get his way out of the ambulance. At this point, Jack sits down with Alana. At this point, Jack sits down with Alana and Hannibal. It's here that Alana questions the clock test that she did previously, and also the ones that Hannibal has done. But while she shows the clock test that she has done with Will, Hannibal shows his clock test, and it is perfect. It looks exactly like a clock and was the exact time that Will was in his session. But of course, we know that's not true. And so we know that Hannibal has anticipated this and made sure that all the evidence is pointing at Will being insane or a master manipulator. Alana suggests that it could be encephalitis that is affecting Will, high temperatures, and his cognitive functions are thrown off but Hannibal says we've had him checked and there wasn't any sign of that and this is where Alana admits that he could have faked the test. Hannibal goes back to his office but when he gets there he senses something and of course with his incredible sense of smell he senses Will. Will is sat up on the balcony up in Hannibal's study and and they begin to talk 
Hannibal tells Will that this illness that he has isn't helping him and it isn't letting him see straight. Things are going really badly around him and he is not looking at the right things. But they begin to analyse each murder, coming up with no real conclusion as to who this killer could be. And Will tells Hannibal that they need to go back to Minnesota, back to the start, to try and figure this out. Jack is also on his way back to Minnesota. Now that they know that Will is gone, he also knows that Hannibal is gone and believes that Hannibal and Will are both on their way back to Minnesota. So now they're back again in the home of Garrett Jacob Hobbs. They're looking at a massive blood stain on the floor, which is of course Abigail's. It seems like once again her throat was cut, as Hobbs had done previously, and she had bled out. Nobody was recovered, which is also a sign of Hobbs. And the only piece of Abigail that was found was the ear, which suggests exactly the same as what Hobbs did to his victims. He ate them, or he honoured them. And so this isn't stacking up right for Will no, right now. All the evidence, again, is pointing to Will. He had Abigail there last. He was last seen with Abigail. It was her ear that was in his throat. And he has been confessing that he feels like he is turning into Garrett Jacob Hobbs. But Will, in his fevered state, and also the fact that he has this ability, has seen that, actually, there's one other person that it could be. And he stood right in front of him. And so he starts to accuse Hannibal of being the person that's done these terrible things. And just as he's drawn his gun on him, and he's telling Hannibal to confess of what he's done, Jack comes in, disarms Will, and takes him under arrest. After the excitement at the Hobbs house, Will is now back in hospital, obviously under armed guard. Alana is with him, and he is being treated for the inflammation that is in his brain. It seems like the encephalitis has been picked up, and they are starting to treat him. Hannibal, however, has gone to dinner with Bedelia. This is going to be the last time that Hannibal has dinner in this season. And while he is there, and while he is there, she warns him about being careful with his activities and with his patients. The FBI are now asking questions about him, and it wouldn't be right. And she worries that maybe he will get found out. Whatever this facade is that he puts on, that might slip. And they might see the real him. And he tells her that he is going to end his relationship with Will. He wants to go and see him and give him one last goodbye. Which is exactly what he does. After Will's treatment, he is now behind bars at Dr. Chilton's facility in Baltimore. Hannibal goes to visit him. And there is a reminiscence to the scene from Silence of the Lambs. Where Clarice walks down the corridor stands in front of Hannibal Lecter's cell and he says hello Clarice and that's it that's the end of the episode and that's the end of the series what a fucking series it's been what a fucking good series it is I forgot why I liked it so much until I go and sit and watch it again and I go of course it's of course it's so good the storyline is great yeah okay it's very hit and miss each episode if it was 24 episodes like a normal season of american tv like a csi or something like that it would get a little more repetitive than it was it is pretty much a murder happens will and jack investigate will has some sort of 
crazy sighting. They find the killer. Hannibal has dinner with someone. And Alana shows concern for Will's mental state. But the episode by episode isn't the actual storyline. The storyline is the manipulation of Hannibal to Will. And as well as that, the manipulation he has for everyone. And it's the subtle things like the fishing lures from episode three, I think it might have been. And they come up in the last episode. And I couldn't remember what it was all about. I just remember seeing him interfere with the fishing lures. He put something on there that looked like a feather. Turns out it wasn't. Turns out it was a piece of hair. And it's just these subtle little bits that make the show so clever, so watchable. And I'm glad I've sat and watched it again with a bit more focus this time. Because we all do it. We all sit and get distracted by our phones and by text messages or phone calls or, you know, the internet at large. And we sit and we go through social media or we do something different or we're focusing on some job that we've got and that show is just playing in the background. With me having to focus on the show to do this, it's made me realise how much I missed in the first place. And the thing about that is that I'm watching it now and I'm going, well, I loved the show before and now I have a more appreciation for the show because I'm watching it fully. I'm not saying everyone's like that, but majority of people are. And it's so good, so clever. And the soundtrack is epic. Like, it's crazy, the sounds that come out of the show. Um, It's very disconcerting, very discombobulating, and makes you feel like you're going a little bit crazy at the same time. It's a simple premise. We know who Hannibal Lecter is. If you've seen any of the other films... Apart from Silence of the Lambs, you know who Will Graham is, played by Ed Norton in Red Dragon and William Peterson in Manhunter. I did say Manhunt earlier on in an episode, but it's actually Manhunter. But we know the characters, and it's that that makes you appreciate the depth that they're going into with everything else around it. Because we know Hannibal's going to end up in jail, because this is the precursor to Silence of the Lambs. But it's the journey to get to that. And I appreciate everything about this show so far. I genuinely cannot wait to get into it. I know that it's going to be a long while before I do. Probably another year. Unless someone comes along and says, Hey, you know, season four's coming in a couple of weeks. Like, I may bring it back. But I don't see season four coming probably since it's only been discussed right now. Another year, if that. So I've got plenty of time to hit Hannibal Season 2, Hannibal Season 3, and probably Clarice in that time, which I am going to cover. I know it's got no bearing on the Hannibal story. I know it's got no connection to it, apart from the fact that Clarice Sterling is the person from Silence of the Lamb, so it covers all those bases. Anyway, that is it for today. I cannot wait to come back to the show. I know it's going to be a while, but I'm hoping to get through a lot of stuff. And either I bring it forward and replace something in season six, maybe, or I carry on to season eight and watch it then. And then probably on to, I don't know, season 10 and watch season three of it. So anyway, thank you very much for listening. This is the end of season three. So let's talk about what's coming up in season four. I know I've alluded to it, but I think it's about time that I actually told everyone exactly what was coming next. 
So, of course, we have season four of A Million Little Things. That is going to be a big one because it's 20 episodes long. It's the longest season of A Million Little Things. We have Inside Number Nine, season four. Again, just a short, sharp series for that. But it does have a Halloween special, which is one of the best episodes of TV I've probably ever watched. Then we've got Miracle Workers, season two. That's going to be 10 episodes long, but obviously short, sharp episodes again, so just a bit of fun. We're going to be finishing up with the newsroom, so that is going to be the final season of that, which is only six episodes long. It was a very short season. I was a little bit disappointed with the length of it, but I think the quality is there. It wasn't a case of Game of Thrones where the episode length fell off a cliff and so did the series. But also, next season, we're going to be starting with a new one, and that's going to be Santa Clarita Diet, which is one of the unexpected shows that was one of my favourite things on TV at the time. Timothy Oliphant, I think, is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Like, in everything that he does, you know, Deadwood and um, Justified, and, of course, when he was in The Mandalorian... I love the guy. Whenever he turns up in something, I get excited about it. I don't know why. I just like Timothy Oliphant. Big fan. Whenever he turns up, I'm happy to see him. And, of course, Drew Barrymore, where she becomes a zombie. But, of course, we're going to get into that. I love the show. It's such a fun show. So daft. They play it so well. And it's very... I feel deadpan. And I'm excited to watch it again. So we're going to get onto that next season. But for now... For this season, like I say, always, I'm not going anywhere. I will be back next week with a million little things. But for now, thank you, and I hope to speak to you soon. Bye. Well, that's all for now, amigos. If you manage to make it to the end of my ramblings, thank you. And... If you want to rate, share, subscribe, comment, it's all appreciated. Until next time.